Women Podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. And I'm wearing the cutest little ghoulie earrings Grace got me. They're adorable. They're like, imagine elementary school teacher tacky earrings. They're not those. So they're like I was like I was like, I'm worried about the path we're going down right now in terms of They're classy. They're on these like thin little gold hoops and they have a little like I guess it's like probably polymer clay, but like a little but it's like a sparkly little ghoulie on like shimmery, shimmery, not sparkly. Little ghoulie on them and they're absolutely adorable and so cute. Yes. We're we're in the past, so it's still not Halloween yet here. We're but in, we're in ghoul past friends. recording land. We're ghoul friends. Ghoul friends. Yeah, but today we're not going to talk. <laughs> Maybe about that should be our Halloween costume. Ghoul friends. Ghoul friends. Just ourselves. Just wear some white sheets. Actually, that's funny. <laughs> Hi, we're ghoul friends. <laughs> you can't sit with us. You can't sit with us. It's a spiritual thing. <laughs> but today, actually, we're in the Minute Women future when this episode will come out. Uh, it's closer to Remembrance Day. And so today we're going to do a Have You Got a Minute? So do you have a minute to listen to us talk about some very Remembrancey Day things? Things. Because last year we did a whole month for Remembrance Day. Yeah, we did. And not to say that it was unsuccessful, but it was depressing when you do four straight episodes about war and suffering so we've decided we've learned from that lesson yeah uh we're going to cut that back a little bit yeah but we're going to do a remembrance day themed high gam today and then next week what you can cast your bets for what remembrance day war related episode we're gonna do that we didn't cover last year we did not cover last year yeah it's not a repeat we do not repeat content unless it's a two-parter unless it's a two or john a there's just so much to talk about that man. Uh, yeah talk about a man with problems <laughs> johnny mcdonald <laughs> so do you want to go first do you want me to go first yeah i'll go first okay so one of the most and especially being from a small town like the remembrance day ceremony is pretty like everybody goes mm-hmm. um like everybody goes and meets at the cenotaph in town and then so there's five churches in Lunenburg proper because little old fishing town. And so one of the churches every year holds the service on Remembrance Day. So they rotate through like oh, who okay. it is. And no one really knows until you get to the service and then someone <laughs> tells you what church you're going to and you're like, okay, great. Thanks. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things from the service, you know, there's always the minister of that church always does, does not really a sermon, but more of just like a a speech about Remembrance Day and a non-denominational yes sermon yes exactly and we do the flyover which is like aggressive a um, flyover yeah like with planes yeah who's where do you get the planes so is it the FedEx plane <laughs> yes <laughs> it's actually it's actually the uh, Goodyear blimp <laughs> <laughs> just bobs along <laughs> over Lunenburg. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's through the military, and they do. It's not funny, but they they do like. It's really hard for us to not make jokes and laugh. I know, right? I know this is supposed to be a serious week, but they go like Bridgewater before the service. Okay. Like they hit like Mahone Bay like during the service, and then they hit. They just like zig and zag and like hit right. everybody at some point. So you don't know really when it's gonna happen. You don't know when the bombs are gonna drop. So you're just like right. So you're just like <gasps> someone's talking, something's happening, and then it's just like, <laughs> and you're like there it is. <laughs> Thanks. There's always a local student, a trumpeteer, if you will. 
Um, I don't know if that's a word, but it Trumpeter. is today. Trumpeter. They play The Last Post and Revelry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the Revelry, that's like pretty upbeat. That's pretty happy. But I wanted to know kind of where like The Last Post came from, like why it's that piece of music and, and what any, if any, because, you know, sometimes there is no significance to things. It's true. It's just like <laughs> we've done it for a long time and we don't understand why And we're why just going to keep doing it. Did you know that was me? Like, I was the trumpeter, not in Lunenburg, no way. but that was, like, my my seasonal gig oh. as a trumpeter through, like, junior high and high school. They pay pretty well. They for pay like a really single, well. For a single song and then a brief reprise of yeah. that song, they, they pay pretty good. They <laughs> pay well, and but the, always the issue was is that Remembrance Day would be, like, a cold snap, and then the mm. trumpet would, like... Like it would get hard to play, so then there a was trumpet always like in the cold is not a super fun instrument to play. Yeah, there were like usually technical difficulties, yeah. but it was expected. <laughs> yeah, you have a metal mouthpiece, which yeah. is the problem. So if it's cold, uh, well, for one, they go out of tune really quickly if they're cold. Oh, okay. But also, so you've got to be like warming them up, but you can't like quietly warm up a trumpet. Can't quietly play a trumpet uh, <laughs> out of service. <laughs> it's it's thing is that it's loud, so it's not particularly great to warm up in quiet so you're basically just like hoping and praying through the speech that everything's gonna be okay yeah right (laughs) and then if it's really cold you can get like your lips kind of stuck to your mouthpiece (laughs) yeah the now it's used for the piece of music is used for military funerals and military services and ceremonies Mm -hmm. um, remembrance day being one of those but it dates from the 17th century in the netherlands so but it originated by British troops who were stationed in the Netherlands because there's a Dutch custom called tap toe, which is why it's called taps. So oh. the last post can also be known as taps. Mm. Um, and I kind of wondered why, because I was like, yeah. it's like it. And like it's also not like a drum piece. No, exactly. Know? And it's not like I can't imagine you could tap dance really well to it. It's a bit like a, <laughs> it's a bit like. Do not um, doubt my abilities. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's called tap toe. And that actually comes from the term tattoo, which is the military tattoo. Mm. So the tap toe was used as a signal to end the day, but it originated from a signal, not specifically a trumpet signal, but to signal that the day had ended. And that comes from the Dutch bugle call, which is called tap toe signal with two A's. And that's now known as the last post. So it's to close the tap. So it's to close the end of the day. Okay. So it's used in Remembrance Day ceremonies in Commonwealth nations only. Okay. So it's not used all over the world. It's not an American thing. Interesting. So taps and the revelry are not American things. And it's implied to be summoning of the spirits of the fallen to the cenotaph. So it's a call. And the second is to symbolically have a period of silence before you go to bed. It's also played at the end of inspection to let people know if something serious is happening. Oh. So it's got a couple different purposes. But I just think it's interesting to know kind of like the history of like where it came from. Yeah. It usually lasts a little over one minute to almost three minutes, depending on what service you're using it for. Do you know what key it's played in? I believe, yeah, I it's played in B flat major, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Exactly. So it's really easy on trumpet in term well, it's not easy in terms of posture, but it can be played on bugle. Yeah, so it so, originally started as a bugle call. So that's why in, on trumpet when you play it, it's all open valve. You don't actually mm-hmm. like have to do any keys, but you can play it down a key and you can put one finger down the whole time so you're playing instead of C's, G's, 
and E's, you're playing yeah. <laughs> B's so, and F's. Which makes sense because you can says it can you can either play it in A mm. or B flat major. B flat major, yeah. It's also the last call or the last post, sorry, is also played at every military horse funeral. <laughs> Interesting fact. I know horses are very like yeah. significant. To a lot of people. So. I think we just rail on horse girls too much. And we're not much. we're not coming for the military boys who love their horses. Right. The military boys love their horses. And the last call is always played. At, so at it's a horse not funeral. like horse funerals in the military, especially the Royal Canadian Mounted <laughs> Police, is a very big deal. <laughs> and the horses all get the the last post played. Nice. Yeah. So is the, I wonder if like the last post, because I feel like it has a lot of association association with world war one yeah and post that yeah so i don't know if maybe it's just because everybody knew somebody who died so now suddenly we're all hearing the last post all the time right. instead of like just military people knowing it but right no that's yeah. true and i think definitely having ceremonies like remembrance day where you hear it yeah yeah, uh, yeah. nice yeah cute cute right short song short history i love that yep <laughs> would you like to hear my I would love piece. to. In a, a similar vein to Linnea, I was just trying to think about like very iconic pieces of Remembrance Day. And I know why a poppy is associated with Remembrance Day. But I was interested as to why we started wearing plastic poppies. Oh, okay. In particular, why do we pin them to our clothes instead of just like having poppies around that time? Opium. Well, that's true. <laughs> Maybe they're just like, we can't allow people to grow poppies all this much because they have a really good cover now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Remembrance Day. When in they're terms, just murdering everyone. Instead of blacking out and forgetting everything day. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs and murder. So I just wanted to know, like, where does this concept of plastic poppies come from? Okay. Which, again, I thought was a very UK-oriented thing. I assume it's not. that it was very British, yeah. It's, it's not, though. It's, like, way beyond the Commonwealth in terms huh. of, like, poppy wearing. Interesting. But it can be traced back largely to one person. And oh. her name is Anna, but she is colloquially known as Madame E. Guerin. We're going to go through Madame Guerin's life. Okay. And how she came to her claim to fame. Okay. Of She's born Anna Alex Boll on the 5th of February, 1878 uh, in France, and her parents were farm owners. She winds up marrying a Cuban-born French national on November 6th, 1897, but soon, and then soon after their wedding, they traveled to the French colony of Madagascar. Oh, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're already globetrotting. That's so cool. Um, Madagascar is a place that I think would be so cool to go. Yeah. Madagascar yeah. is interesting. I would have to see what the infrastructure is like because mm. I've seen the episode of Departures shout out to Departures yeah. my favorite TV show where they go to Madagascar and there's like a bunch of cars but no roads but just like monkeys everywhere lemurs yeah so cute I think maybe like Santo Australia they have the most unique species oh yeah that makes sense in the world there or something but anyways Madagascar very French they're they're like primary language is French yeah. due to colonization but if you go there you have to like basically speak French so after they arrived in Madagascar, Anna began teaching and she created a boarding school called L'Ecole Reb Rabanne, that was the last name of her husband. Okay. Which gained a reputation as one of the best on the island. Wow. <laughs> How many schools do you think are on the island at this know, time? <laughs> Madagascar's not that big. <laughs> 
they really keep the lemurs out of the classroom. Hilarious. It's quite probably impressive. Two schools, and they're like, and yeah. you're the best. Yeah. Madagascar is a lot bigger than I think it is. A lot of really? the time. It's huge. Bigger it's than l- Australia? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. It's definitely not bigger than Australia. I think it's about the size of Nova Scotia. Like, it takes a while to drive tip to tip okay. of Madagascar. I would have thought smaller, yeah. I would have thought it was, like, the size of, like, honestly, like, I thought it was kind of, like, the size of Cape Breton. Yeah, I think, like, it is not, let me think. Let me Google. Let me think. Let nope. me just think about it. Uh, uh, As Grace thinks, she's thinking hard over there. Oh, so... <laughs> First off, I'm a dumbass. Okay. Madagascar is about 10 times the size of Nova Scotia. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's like, it's almost half a million square kilometers. Whoa. And Nova Scotia is like 55. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> 55,000, sorry. Yeah. Um, square kilometers. Just 55 kilometers. 55 kilometers. <laughs> it's really tip skinny, to too. Not even square. <laughs> Just really, really skinny. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Madagascar. Big. Big. Real big. Big country. Anyways, so that's where she's off teaching. She was one of the people on the island who helped the governor in his quest to educate the Madagascarian people in the French language and culture. Um, So, you know, colonization. Mm. For these services, Anna was awarded the French Medaille Officier d'Académie. Also in 1907, she got divorced. Oh, Big okay. year for Anna. Big year. In 1909, she left Madagascar. And on 17th of I feel October, like divorce wasn't easy then. No, especially not for like Catholic French people. In a different country. I mean, it would be the same country, quote unquote. It's all part of the French Empire. But for a woman to get a divorce, especially if they are Catholic, it doesn't specify if they are, but you would need very like sound grounds for asking for mm-hmm. it. Um, unless he asked for it. Which, oh, yeah. again, it's not crazy easy, but I'm assuming it would be easier for him to get a divorce from her than her to get a divorce, divorce from, from him. him. Anyways, she manages to do it, and she goes home to France, and when she is home, about a year later, she marries a judge named oh. Constant Charles Eugene Guerin, but he goes by Eugene, Okay. in Valon, France. So now we have Madame Guerin. Right. She went to Great Britain soon after her marriage to Eugene, and she placed their two daughters in a London boarding school. So she has kids. (laughs) Okay. She's busy. She's busy lady. (laughs) Well, clearly she doesn't care about them. She instantly puts them in boarding schools. She's like, they're not the stars of the show. I am. I am. She lectured in England, Scotland, and Northern Ireland for the Alliance Française organization for nearly four years. And she was passionate about promoting French culture and language and education. Whilst in Great Britain, Anna was presented with the Médaille Officier d'Instruction Publique by Paul Cambon, the French ambassador to London. Mm. On the whole, Anna lectured between autumn and spring, and then she would spend her summers in France. So Not with her kids. <laughs> Not with her kids. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think they get mentioned again. <laughs> She just put him in boarding school at two weeks old. Goodbye. <laughs> it, she seems like See an interesting later. character. So in 1914, before the outbreak of World War One, Madame Guerin had agreed to lecture in the United States for three years. Oh. She kept to that arrangement and traveled across the Atlantic in October for 1914. So the war has now broken out, but yeah. she's like, nothing, nothing will stop my education crusade. Post the Duke guy getting shot. Yes. That happened. Franz Ferdinand. That's it. Getting gunned down. Shot heard around the world. The shot heard around the world. Yes. I did Ivy history. (laughs) (laughs) 
Initially, her lectures were under the auspice of the Alliance Francaise, but she would discreetly raise funds for the French war causes at the end of her lectures, which was not considered chill because uh, the United States was not in the war yet. So they wanted to remain neutral. Oh, and so you can't have people campaigning for one side of the war. My biggest beef with Band of Brothers is that it's so American and that you've watched Band of Brothers, right? Yes. In that it's Band like they act like the war didn't actually start until they got there. For World War Two, yeah. yeah. I yeah. It's just it's just American it way is, of thinking. It is a very American It's show. like, oh, if we're not involved, it's not happening. Yeah. It's, it's like World War One. It's like, oh, we're gonna remain neutral and nothing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange moment in American history where they view themselves as sort of neutral observers. Not because they like we don't colonize other countries. This is horseshit. But at that time they're like outward image is a neutral party. Right. Um, but hence, this like woman raising funds for the French cause would not have been looked upon particularly fondly. How is she raising money? A little skirt lift here? <laughs> Booty shake there? I have an image to show you in a moment. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Once it comes up, I will reveal it to you. But this woman seems like, obviously, she does a lot of charity work, but I think she does get something out of it <laughs> for <Okay>. herself. <laughs> okay. So once the United States entered the war. Anna raised funds more openly on a public platform. She raised funds for the Food for France organization. Okay. French widows and orphans, French veterans, medically discharged without pension at this time. The American Red Cross, the U.S. Liberty, loans, bonds, etc. So she's, you know, running the gamut A little philanthropist, yeah. if you will. While lecturing for the U.S. Liberty Bonds, Anna Guerin was described by many as the greatest of all war speakers. Ooh, I don't passion. know if she's lecturing in French or if she's lecturing in English to these people. Who knows? Who's to say? Anna Guerin returned to France each summer. The influenza pandemic Spanish flu curtailed what was to be her 1918-1919 tour. <laughs> tour. Tour. <laughs> She was halfway across the Atlantic Ocean when the 1918 armistice was signed. Uh. So Anna Guerin thought her fundraising days were over once the war was done. However, little did she know. Little did she know. <laughs> five days after she was back home in France, she was summoned to Paris. The French government created La Ligne des Enfants de France et d'Amérique with a poppy as its emblem. Madame Guerin was tasked with returning to the United States to create the American brand of this American-French alliance sort of league, which is interesting because it's like, it's like, it's going to be French and American, but we just need to convince the Americans yeah. that this is a good idea. <laughs> they have no idea yet. <laughs> so in English and, and in the United States, it's called the American Franco Children's League, also known as the American Star. Uh, they're far more into stars than poppies Way in more. the U.S. <laughs> stars and stripes and eagles everywhere. <laughs> in each state she visited, Madame Guerin set up American and French Children's League committees. Um, membership subscriptions and fundraising events would provide some valuable funds, much needed for orphans in the devastated war-torn regions of France on a regular basis. In 1919, she began holding poppy days in the United States, distributing artificial paper poppies in exchange for donations. So she's distributing artificial poppies in exchange for donations. Local women and girls were the mainstay of her operations. <laughs> so they were poppy sellers who uh, mm -hmm. wore sashes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Only sashes. <laughs> Not mules. And they would wear sashes that said, in Flanders fields, poppies grow. Whoa, was the poem written by this point? 
Yep. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, he wrote World it. World War One. Yeah, he wrote, you can go listen to our John McRae episode mm-hmm. that we did last year. But it is written during the war. And it becomes popular, like, during the conflict. Okay. American Legion National Commander Colonel Frederick W. Galbraith Jr. Ooh. That's a freaking long title and name. Invited Anna to explain her inter-allied Poppy Day idea to the American Legion Convention in Cleveland, Ohio in September of 1920. There, the Legionnaires christened Anna the Poppy Lady from France. <laughs> A less glamorous title, I must say. Let's go see the poppy lady from France. (laughs) And adopted the poppy as their national memorial emblem and agreed to support her on her poppy days. Mm -hmm. So this is the photo I want to show you. Okay. I'm not sure exactly what year it was taken. Let me prepare myself. But this is like what would be passed out around her like lectures and stuff i'm ready so this is a photo of madame Um, garam what is saying that she is joan of arc at the bottom yeah (laughs) it's a lot to claim that you are joan of arc yep that's also a lot of chest for the time very pious that is um that's more chest than i'm showing right now it's just very funny to me she just it's like the female it's like saying you're the virgin mary basically actually i'm just joan of arc reincarnated i am saving everyone you're welcome i'm the best you're welcome so in april of 1921 every american state was informed that the french made silk poppies organized by the quote-unquote poppy lady had arrived in the united states Also that month, Anna's American and French Children's League had undergone... Also that month, Anna's American and Children's League had gone over some changes. So the League was to continue functioning, but it was now reorganized by the National Information Bureau in in New York City. Okay. So it's not just her doing it. Not just the popularity. (laughs) It was to this end that in October of 1920, the League president, Hartley Burr Alexander, wrote to the Bureau's director... The Bureau gave it its approval, but with certain caveats, one being that Anna's American and French Children's League should have a wider scope and be aligned to its Paris-based committee of La Ligue Américaine Française des Enfants. Okay. On the 27th of April 1921, the wider scope was achieved by merging these two former charities. So they were, I guess, fundraising separately, but like under a similar umbrella. And now they're like one organization. Just one. Because of the merger... The original structure, which was the American Franco Children's League. Right. This caused massive upset <laughs> for this, like, former league, basically. Uh, okay. um, some old league members did not approve, and they were not prepared to move to the new league. And so this included the old league's chairman, Mrs. Tyler Perrin, um, and its New York State Committee chairman, Mrs. Mercedes McAllister Smith. Mercedes McAllister Smith. What a name. That is a name. I think that's so funny. Like, that Mercedes is like an old-timey name. Yeah. It's, it's very... Weird. It's So, I was at a lecture the other day, and we were talking about the godchildren of Queen Elizabeth. Of course. The first. And... Oh, the OG. The OG Elizabeth. Mm. And so, a lot of the time, when she is a goddaughter, the goddaughter will be named Elizabeth in some way. Because as the godparent, she got to, like, choose names for these kids. Uh, At least they're, like, christening name. So, like, a lot of them are christened Elizabeth. But then she goes on this, like, rant where she just starts naming people, like, Philadelphia. Like, like, really classical Greek names. So, like, Penelope. 
Philadelphia. Fortuna was oh, really big. Fortuna? Yeah. Fortuna. I'll have four tuna, please. <laughs> Why not? So I, ha- I just have to do a sub a sub story here. So uh, last night, Grace and I went to a hockey game, and uh, there was a player on one of the teams named Why Not. That was their last their name. Last na- it's literally spelled Why Not. Which, growing up in Lunenburg County, Nova Scotia, I didn't understand the humor in this because there's literally a Why Not on every street. Like, if you look at an old school phone book and scroll down, the Why Not is probably the most populated, uh, most populated section. And it's spelled W-H-Y. Y N O T, and I've never really thought that hilarious until last night. And now I, I can stop laughing. I the think whole that time. it's funny now, but it's it's just funny because I've never thought that it was funny. There were some pretty good names. We also saw Bobby Orr play. Yeah, His name is Bobby Orr. There's <laughs> there's a player on the Halifax Mooseheads whose name is Bobby Orr, which I said, God, that's a lot of pressure. That's to a put lot on of a pressure kid. for a kid. Imagine if you wanted to be a classical pianist, Absolutely and then every not. time they're like. And uh, now performing the concerto is Bobby Orr. (laughs) But imagine you wanted to do anything. Like, it's like your janitor, Bobby Orr. It's like, I would never have allowed that, though. Like, I would have gone by Rob. Yeah, Robert. Yeah, like Rob Orr. Bert. (laughs) Bert. Bert. (laughs) It's Bert Orr. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Uh, I granted once your name is Robert though, and your last name is Orr, spelled O R R. Like, you no hope. People are just gonna call you Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr. Yeah. So maybe he just decided maybe he to just go went with, with it. it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, sadly though, the Mooseheads lost last night to uh to Gatineau. It's true. But there was a Lunenburg boy on the Gatineau team, yeah. so we were kind of we rooting were, for them. We were there cheering for Gatineau. Yeah. Um, continue on with your story about the poppies. Well, it's it's going south quickly <laughs> because. So the new league took over the old league's headquarters in New York, but the breakaway group (laughs) continued its own poppy campaign. So now we have two conflicting poppy campaigns uh, in competition with the new league, working out of Mrs. McCaster Smith's New York home, which is just so strange to me. Like people fighting over charities. Yeah. Happens all the time. It's so waspy. It's so petty and waspy. Yeah, it's so waspy. Like that, yeah. That is such a, yeah. (laughs) Even the U.S. president got caught up in the muddle of these poppies. Who was it at the time? It would have been... Eisenhower? No. Wilson? Wilson? Woodrow Wilson still? He might have been voted out by this point, but I'm not sure. Um, But anyway, whoever is... uh, Whoever's president is caught up in this mess. So the president had to get involved and the National Information Bureau had to issue a statement saying that the only only the new league poppies were legit. Like you can only buy the ones from Madame Guerin. You can't go to McCaster Smith and because buy poppies. Mercedes McCaster Smith is <laughs> is those are fake poppies. So this all resulted in Mrs. McCaster Smith bringing a two hundred thousand dollar court case against what? the Right Reverend Herbert Shipman, who is the president of the new league. But it's for charity. I don't get it. I, I'm not surprised, to be honest. So she's bringing it against him, a, a bunch of other people who are like high up in this organization or were supporting this organization over the yeah. former one. And then, of course, Anna Garian is kind of 
one of the people. The case was eventually dismissed. Good. But, you know, during the week before America's M- National Memorial Day or Decoration Day, as it was called, on the 30th of May, 1921, Madame Guerin and her American Franco Children's League carried out the very first nationwide poppy drive in the world, carrying uh, out poppy days in every state. So for them, it's in and around May. It's not really associated with Armistice Day. Um, Mm. Leading up to the poppy drive, articles appeared all over the country, appealing to every man, woman, and child to wear a poppy. In these poppy days, the charity was supported by the American Legion and the Women's Auxiliary, the War Mothers of America, the Service Star Mothers, uh, the Women's Club, and other organizations. Mm. At the beginning of November 1921, Madame Guerin attended the next American Legion convention in Kansas City, Missouri. She had been personally invited, but she also went to try and persuade the delegates from reneging the poppy as their memorial flower in favor of the daisy. This was to no avail, and the daisy was adopted, and now daisy days occurred. (laughs) What? This is such a weird story. For what? I don't know. Daisy days. For this particular American Legion convention. Like, they're like, we're going to do daisies now. That's stupid. I don't, maybe it's something to do with like, like Dixie, like American Mm -hmm. South. Like they're not commemorating the First World War. They're commemorating the American American Civil War. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, Although the American Legion's Women's Auxiliary kept the poppy as its memorial flower, by the 23rd of January, 1922, it decided not to continue giving support to Anna Guerin's uh, League. So the veterans of foreign wars filled the void the American Legion vacated. As a consequence, in May of 1922, it was the veterans of foreign wars that became the first veteran organization to carry out the very first nationwide poppy drive in the United States. In October of 1922, the American Legion repudiated the daisy and again adopted the poppy. This is just the flower wars. Like, yeah. For the 1923 U.S. Poppy Days, both the veterans of foreign wars and the American Legion purchased French-made poppies from Madame Guerin. For 1924 U.S. Poppy Days, the veterans of foreign wars had partnered with its own buddy poppy made by veterans. The American Legion's veterans could not make enough poppies, but its women's auxiliary helped out. That is so (laughs) typical. So we can't do it. The women's auxiliary will help. They're all like 90. (laughs) They all show up. So Canada was the next place that Madame Guerin visited. So she's been in the U.S. for the last like three years, establishing the poppy as this emblem for commemoration. Yeah. And so on July 4th, 1921, she came to Canada and she spoke about her inter-allied poppy day idea to the men of the Canadian Great War Veterans Association in Port Arthur, Ontario, which is now Thunder Bay. Yes. On the 6th of July, the Canadian veterans adopted it. Uh, The Canadians were the first of the British Empire veterans to do so. Okay. In 1922, the bulk of the poppies were made by Canadian disabled veterans. Anna handed the poppy mantle over to Captain James Learmouth Melville, who was the principal of the Vocational School for Disabled Soldiers. And in 1923, disabled veterans took over the manufacturing of Canadian remembrance poppies. And that's it. That's the, the, the drama of Canada. Canada was like, cool, poppies. Yeah, that makes we'll sense. We'll do it. Sounds like a great cause. That's it. End yep. of story. The U.S. Yeah. had to go through fucking court cases. And, and yeah, <laughs> The U.S. president had to get involved. Yeah. Drama. 
Typical. Canada's just like, oh, yeah, that makes logical sense. Sure. So then she goes to Newfoundland because Newfoundland is not part does. of the Canadian Dominion yet. Right. How it came to adopt Madame Guerin's poppy day is not known, but it did. <laughs> because things make sense here. She goes, she's like, hey, will you guys support this campaign and wear poppies? And they're like, sure, cool. Sure, sure, bud. Sounds like a good idea. There were great war veterans association veterans in Newfoundland as well as in Canada. So perhaps that's how the linkage happened. Like it's the same organization. So they probably just passed it on. They also had a ladies auxiliary. So that helped with the making of the poppies. Of course. (laughs) By night. (laughs) The ladies are neatest. By the 21st of October, 1921, 12,000 poppies had already been ordered by Newfoundland's organization. Great. Newfoundland's first Poppy Day was held on November 11th, 1921, Armistice Day. Another memorial flower, the Forget-Me-Not, is held dear in Newfoundland. They serve to commemorate the Royal Newfoundland Regiment, who lost their lives on the 1st of July, 1916, at Beaumont Hamill and on the Somme. I did know that. That's still a thing. So then she's off to Great Britain. She goes to America. It takes forever to convince America. I mean, America's gung-ho, but they're almost like too gung-ho. Yeah. Everywhere else she goes... She's just there for like a couple months they're like, okay. and they're like, great, sounds good. And then she leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes to Great Britain. She goes to Liverpool and she took examples of the French made poppies to British Legion men and explained what her poppy day idea was. And the Legion was skeptical and Anna's credentials had to be checked out before. Like they're like, are you are you trying to scam us? Is this a scam? Are you a good lady or a bad lady? Are you a good lady or a bad lady? Because if you're a bad lady, you have to go. If you're a good lady, you like, come for supper no, at my mother's. Je suis Joan of Arc. <laughs> and they were like, uh, let's double check those credentials. <laughs> let's, let's double check that's, that's what she shows on her license. <laughs> her passport is just that post photo of her as Joan of Arc. With her handwriting, Joan of Arc. <laughs> and they were like, uh, this doesn't seem legit. <laughs> but before September was finished, like she gets there in September. Before the month is out, they've already accepted that you know the poppies are a good idea because it was a very poor organization so the british like legion version is not a particularly wealthy organization madame garin paid for the british remembrance poppies herself and after the first british poppy day on armistice day the british legion reimbursed her oh nice anna garin is very rarely credited in british newspapers for this um, okay and the widows and children of french soldiers are sometimes mentioned but often the poppy makers are just referred to as peasants it's like peasants they just made all these poppies okay she's like no i did i did, I, I did the thing From 1922 onwards, British veterans made remembrance poppies at the Poppy Factory. (laughs) And from 1926 on at Lady Hag's Poppy Factory. Lady Hag's Poppy Factory. After Great Britain, she goes to the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, So she's off to Australia. Oh, nice. Um, Australia was very faithful to Madame Guerin, continuing to be loyal to French-made poppies until 1926. The country's veterans had adopted her Poppy Day before her representative even arrived. Oh, yeah. So they had already just kind of like, so now it's kind of like, People know about Catching it. on and people are just starting yeah. to do it themselves. Australia's first Poppy Day was also on November 11th, 1921. So this is like the big year for a lot of yeah. poppies, I suppose. Although Anna never, she never personally went to Australia. Sorry. The campaign went to Australia. She, she did, did not. not. Um, she did maintain communication with Australian veterans. That's good. And then New Zealand was 
also another target of the campaign. And it was the most loyal of World War One allied nations to Madame Guerin really? and her idea. Like, even more so than Australia. New Zealand New was? Zealand loves poppies. The country continued to purchase French-made poppies into 1928. So that's the thing. It's like everybody likes the poppy idea. It's just eventually they decided to start making their own instead of right. buying her, her poppies. poppies. But they continue well like 10 years after the war. They're yeah. still buying them from her. In 1921, September, the Dominion Executive of Returned Soldiers Association passed a resolution to adopt the red poppy in Anna Guerin's poppy idea. Hmm. They ordered and paid for 350,000 of them for Armistice Day. That's a lot of poppies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but the ship got there too late. So they oh. buy all these poppies and then the shipment's too late. Uh, and uh, they wanted to recover their, and wanting to recover their costs, the RSA sold them on the next available commemoration day. <laughs> Ironically, New Zealand didn't, s um, so that day that they sold them was the Dardanelles Day. So I, I think there used to be a lot more commemoration days for World War One sure. about like the days of specific battles. Right. And the Dardanelles is a pretty big battle in World War One. Yeah. Uh, strangely enough, New Zealand did not serve at the Dardanelles, <laughs> but they were like, it's the next day in the calendar. We got to recover. We got to recoup. <laughs> well, I'll never financially recover from this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> strangely enough, which I never realized this. So Anzac Day became by accident the day that poppies are sold in New Zealand. So Anzac Day is kind of like their version of Memorial Day in the U.S. Okay. So in the U.S. they have Armistice Day. Yeah. And then Memorial Day. Yeah. For New Zealanders, they have Anzac Day, which is in like the spring. And Anzac Day is almost like bigger than Remembrance Day. Okay. But because this ship was late, they now wear poppies on Anzac Day oh, instead funny. of Remembrance Day. <laughs> and it was never changed. Yeah. As with Australia, Anna Gurin never visited New Zealand, but she maintained okay. communications with its veterans. Uh, many New Zealand women remained representatives of Gurin's organizations Good through stuff. the years, and they gave talks at schools, which promoted her ideas. So after 1921, Gurin continued to visit the U.S., sailing across the Atlantic twice a year on average. Wow. More often than not, it was via the Cherbourg, New York shipping route. For a few years, she ran a shop selling French antiques in New York, and her sister Juliet and friend Blanche managed, managed it for her whenever mm. she was not in the United States. In 1941, Guerin wrote a synopsis which documented all of her fundraising in the U.S. from 1914 to 1921. Guerin spent World War II in the United States, and she passed away on the 16th of April, 1961, in Paris. Oh, 1961. So that's the origin of plastic poppies and why we wear them nice <laughs> who knew it would be so tumultuous <laughs> and dramatic i do think it's interesting britain's poppies like the uk's poppies are always so much nicer than our poppies and there's like paper i think yeah we do like a plastic with felt on yeah. one side and this the, the the pin that oh, will forever poke and stab you it's such a uh i don't yeah. know how we haven't fixed that yet my like I was always, I always remember in school, like, boys getting them and, like, sticking it under their under skin. Under the skin on their fingers. Yeah. Gross. Gross. You can get, like, like the little ones that look kind of like an earring back. Mm. That, like, go. But then you can never find those and you lose them from year to year. So then you just get your poppy with the stabby pins. Stabby pins. You stab yourself several times. Mm -hmm. 
The worst is the bend over and you catch yourself in the chin. Ooh. Yeah, it's not nice. It's not nice. For it's a, me, it's always a crossbody thing. Like I'll uh, like reach across and I'll just stab my bicep. Just stab yourself, which are which are huge. huge. Your biceps um, are so huge. I am so swole. Um, well, thanks for listening to another Have You Got a Minute. I hope you had a minute to listen to Last Post, Taps, some information about that, and then the history of the poppy and this crazy lady who yeah. spent a lot of time in America trying to get Americans to just, like, yeah. get along. Despite that whole thing, I feel like I don't know her particularly well. She shipped her kids off to boarding school pretty fast. She shipped her kids off to boarding school. You were, never hear mention yeah. of her husband ever again, and she's just like... I own an antique store in New York and I sell poppies. And my name's Joan of Arc. And my name is Joan of Arc. <laughs> Please refer to me as such. Only Mrs. Arc. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, thanks, guys. And we hope that you have a really great Remembrance Day. I, I know that great doesn't sound like the right word, but yeah. I hope that you find a way to um, commemorate and spend some time thinking about um, about the people who have gone to war for us all over the world yeah. and especially especially here in Canada we have a strong military contingent yeah. and hopefully you can actually go to a ceremony this year I know last yeah. year was kind of weird last year was the way. first year ever that I didn't go to a ceremony yeah. that I can remember yeah. And if you want to listen to more episodes of Minute Women, you can head over to our website, minutewomenpodcast.ca. Our whole catalog is there. You can also check out any of your favorite podcast platforms. Next week, a week from today, we will have an episode out. So if you would like to know more about Canada's war history, you can stay tuned for that. And we will see you next week. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>